Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. And this idea of CrossFit is simply getting fit in our life. And the cross isn't necessarily the physical attributes of getting physically fit or in shape. It is what has happened in, by, and through the cross of Jesus. And through the cross and by the cross, it makes us fit. Amen. And so we've got to know what the cross or what its purpose was or what it really produced in our life for us to begin to understand what that looks like in our life. If you remember, we shared this to begin with. We said the Apostle Paul said that physical fitness profits a little. Well, how many of you know that being physically fit or exercising is good for you, right? And so the Apostle Paul says it profits you a little bit in this natural world. And so you ought to get in physical shape. In fact, uh, I've been determining. In fact, uh, I don't know about you. I guess as, as the leader goes, so goes the church. But I'm done with saying Monday. Well, next Monday. When Monday comes, I'm going to get in, in, in gear. And, and I've been saying, well, Monday, probably for the last five or six years. And I just have come to that place in my life where I've got to stop saying Monday. It's today, right? And so I've been endeavoring to... Uh, modify my diet and get physically fit. I've been exercising. So the other night, uh, I was doing some uh, exercising at the house. You know, we've got basically a full gym. It just never uses it. It, it hangs clothes really well after the laundry's done, you know. But nevertheless, we got all this equipment. So I was doing some working out. And then I was doing these, like, lunges, you know, trying to get, you know, just some strength in my lower, you know, my legs and my hips and my abs. And so uh, probably 30 minutes to an hour after that, I mean, I was feeling it all over my body. I mean, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I mean, I told my wife, I said, I feel like I have the flu. I mean, like my body is screaming right now. It's just like it don't know what to do. It's like you haven't done physical exercise in I don't know how long. And so all of a sudden, it just is not computing. But praise the Lord, we are going to get fit. And the Apostle Paul says that physical fitness is good for little. But he says godliness is profitable for all things. So in other words, being crossfit or godliness, or as we look before, it says that there is the spiritual component of us. If that gets healthy, it is profitable for everything in our life. Amen? If you'll get crossfit, it will affect your marriage. If you'll get crossfit, it will help your physical body. If you'll get crossfit, it will help your finances. If you get crossfit, it will help you with your children. I'm telling you, it's godliness is profitable for all things, and that's what we're endeavoring to do this year. Amen? And so I just want you to know something. If I can, I just want to just share my heart because we have been endeavoring to pray for you. In this church, there's a group of people that meet together every week, and we pray for you. And we're praying that your eyes are opened up to come to know Jesus more and more. We're praying for you that there is a hunger on the inside that can't be satisfied. 
That there's just a hunger that I need to know God. I want to know God more. We're praying for you. We're praying that your life begins to take a turn for the better. And we're praying for you because God said something to us. There's one thing that this church is called to do. One is to break the back of lack. And again, that's not just financially. That's in all aspects of life. I said to you that this past uh, few weeks just before the start of this year, as I was praying concerning this year, the Lord said, this year is a year that your joy will be made full. Now, I don't know if that does anything for you. But I'm telling you, when God said that to me, it just hit me at my core. Because if I can, if I can just be real transparent with you, there's been a long, long time that my joy hasn't been full. I mean, there's times where my tank might get a little bit more full. But as I do personal examination, I've noticed that I've been looking to things and goals and projects and stuff to fulfill joy or to give me some kind of sense of satisfaction, of fulfillment in life. But how many of you know that joy can only come by God? It's the fruit of the Spirit, so therefore it can only come by Him. And therefore we must seek Him in order for that to be filled. And I'm telling you, this year... And I'm telling you, there's something that just excites me on the inside. Because this year, and I've already made efforts and quality decisions to see that happen. My joy is going to be full. And I'm not looking to this, I'm not looking to that, I'm not looking to you. To see, <clears throat> to see that it's going to make me feel full of joy. No, it's only through Him. And so I'm praying, we've been praying, that your joy will be made full. That your heart is hungry to know Him. And if you'll stick with it, if you'll endeavor to dig in, you'll sense and see that it doesn't take much. And the needle of your joy is going to begin to move. How many of you want that? Come on, now listen to me. Your joy isn't filled by a person. It's not going to be filled by money or stuff or things. You might say, but you don't know where I'm at right now. You don't know how difficult and challenging things are. And it would sure make things a lot easier. It might make things or life easier, but it doesn't fill your joy. Stuff, things, people do not make your joy full. It only comes from Him. So let's turn our eyes to where they need to be turned. Amen? All right, so let's just do some quick review. Just for the sake of getting us to where we need to be today. If you remember that first week... As we begin to look at what it takes to be CrossFit, we said that the very first thing that we need to have take place is that our mind must be renewed. To be renewed or to have our mind renewed is to have our mind renewed by the Word of God. And so therefore, as a result of having our mind renewed, what it does is it gives you the ability to know the will of God. It gives you the ability to know the thoughts of God. And therefore, you begin to think correctly and because of that what it does is it gives you a confidence in this life to know that God's got your back regardless of the circumstance and the situations that you're facing I know that God's got my back because I know his heart for me because I've begun to know what his will is for my life and it's found in the 
pages. Amen? Secondly, we said that in regards to being CrossFit, we said that we're purposing to find out who we are in Christ. If you know who you are in Christ, then you will begin to find out that there was an old man and there is a new man. And at the beginning of every year, isn't that what we do? We say, I want to be a new man. I want to be a new person. I'm making a quality decision. This year, I'm no longer going to be the same. I'm no longer going to be what I once was. I am changing for the better and changing for the good because I want to be a new man or a new woman. And so, therefore, the Bible says that in Christ, the old man has passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. And as we find out who we are in Christ, we begin to find out that God looks at us and sees us just like he sees Jesus. Now, one of the things that is a big dilemma for individuals is that oftentimes people say, you know what, I'm happy with me. I like me. I like the person that I am. And when we start talking about this, when we start talking about shifting from this old person or this new person, what it does is it begins to stir up some fears in people. When they start to say, you know, I like the person that I am. If you like the person that you are, you just haven't seen you in him lately. Amen. I said, if you like who you are all by yourself, then you have not seen yourself in him and therefore, you're relying based on the life that you have produced. And really, these fears and these insecurities to say, I don't want to change me. I like who... Really, what you're saying is that I have allowed myself to only be moved so far. Because there's the fears and the failures that I have put in a box and put them in the back of the closet. And I'm afraid that if I begin to shift or if I begin to make some changes, those things that I have put... on and tried to forget creep back up again and so I don't want to deal with that this is who I've become and this is who I am but God says listen the old has been passed away don't worry about the past or the fears or the worries the insecurities creeping up back into your life because the old has been passed away and I've made you a brand new person on the inside. And will you let me help you become your best you? Amen. I want to be my best me in him. Praise God. And so we're endeavoring to learn what it looks like in this life. What it looks like to live a CrossFit life where our joy is full. Now if I can, I just want to stir you. To help you understand some things concerning what God is doing here in this hour and in this day. This year, God is endeavoring to move. God is wanting to do some new things in the earth. And He is moving. He's moving in this nation. He's moving around the world. And what He's endeavoring to do is He is endeavoring to pour out His Spirit. He is endeavoring to move in such a way that people cannot refute the love and the goodness and the mercy of God. But it takes a people that are hungry. Because God is moving. And I don't want them to pass by. And I don't want to miss out. So I'm hoping that we as a people, as we continue to press in and get CrossFit, we will begin to sense and see that God is moving in this place. That He's moving in your life. That He's showing up miraculously and showing off His mercy. I believe that God is a God of signs and wonders and miracles. 
I believe that God is not a God of hide and seek, but he's a God of show and tell. And I just believe that this is the hour. And he said that there are some things that are shifting and changing in the earth. But are we ready? Well, as we get CrossFit, as we allow our minds to be renewed, as we allow ourselves to be transformed into the image of who he's made us to be, we will be positioned for what God is wanting to do. And God wants to use you. I said, God wants to use you. He wants you to be vessels that he can brag on and use as billboards in your own personal life. Come on, how many of you know that if your life is a mess, it doesn't bring honor to God? Now, I didn't say that we don't go through difficulties. I'm saying if your life is just a wreck, it don't honor God. And there are so many people that think, well, God let me do this, and God brought me through this, and God is trying to teach me something. No, it might just been a matter of your decisions. Poor choices, right? Habits or whatever it might be. But nevertheless, God is endeavoring for us to experience this best life in 2020 to get fit because godliness is profitable for all things. I want to continue with just a moment to help us See some things here because I said that God is endeavoring to move in this hour. There are days of visitation on this earth that he is wanting to visit you and make himself known to you. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Luke. This isn't in the notes per se or won't see this on the screen. But I want you to turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, and I believe it's over in verse 13. We've been talking about getting CrossFit, and the first foundation of that is the Word of God in our life. Notice in chapter 24, starting in verse 13, the disciples are gathered together, and they're walking through the city, and they're conversing and talking about some things that have taken place. And, and what has just taken place was that Jesus was crucified, he was risen from the grave, and now they do not see him or he's no longer with them and so they're saying to themselves we thought that Jesus was going to do this we thought that Jesus was going to set up his kingdom we thought it was going to be like this but we're disappointed because it isn't what we thought it was going to be how many of you have found that in your life life can be disappointing because it didn't turn out the way that you thought it was going to or the way that you thought it should Right? And so because you didn't think it happened the way that it should, you, you might find that you're looking to God and saying, God, what's up? And that's exactly what was going on with the disciples. It says here in verse 13, it says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things that, that had happened. So it was that while they conversed and they reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So in other words, Jesus showed up. They're talking about all the woulda, coulda, shouldas and how they're disappointed. And in the midst of their conversation, Jesus joins them and starts walking with them. Verse 16 it says, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And then he begins to ask him, what are you guys talking about? And why are you so sad? Why are you so disappointed? And then they begin to rehearse to him all the things that they were just talking about. 
And then later on in the story, the Bible says that he traveled with them. And then it says as they're sitting there together, Jesus began to expound and share the scriptures with them. And then he broke bread. And the moment that they broke bread, the Bible says that their eyes were opened and they recognized and saw, this is Jesus. And in that moment, he vanished and was gone. And then the disciples said to themselves, when we were walking on the road and he began to share the scriptures with us, did our hearts not burn within us? Now, let's go back and dissect that. These men had been with Jesus. Jesus went to the cross, rose from the dead. Now, these men are born-again believers in Jesus Christ. Before Jesus went to the cross, they were just believers in God, but they were not Christians. They were not born again. They had not experienced the new birth experience. Once Jesus was risen from the grave, they are now Christians. They're born again. But notice, even though they're born again, even though they've received Christ and believe in Him, they're walking with Him, yet are unable to see Him or know who He is. And that's where a lot of Christians are. They're born again. They've received Christ. But they don't know or don't recognize Jesus in their midst. They don't hear or recognize His voice. When did they recognize that it was Jesus? It was when He began to preach the gospel to them. Or gave them the word. And once they began to hear the word, their eyes were opened to see him. Are you tracking with me? So what am I saying to you? In order for you to get cross, in order for you to experience God, to be real in your life, you cannot do it apart from the word of God. You can be a Christian, you can go to heaven, but you can live this entire life and never recognize or know Him in the midst of your life. And every day of your life, every year, every, uh, every day is the same. Every week is the same. Every month is the same. Every year it's the routine, and I'm disappointed not ever experiencing the things that I've got in my heart. But it's when my eyes are opened that life takes on a whole new meaning because He comes in, and I know him. Does that make sense? All right, with that being said, let me give you a study of some statistics that had just been done recently. There was a theological institute that decided that they're going to do a study to find out how Scripture or how the Bible impacts a person's life. So they surveyed 40,000 people from the age 8 to the age of 80. And so, as they did their survey, that if people just read the Bible or heard the Word of God just once a week, and they said that could also qualify going to church and hearing the preacher preach. They said if they only had a diet of hearing the Scriptures or the Word of God once a week, that it really had no effect on their life. They said if people partook of the Word of God two times a week, it still did not have any impact on their life. 
They said for individuals that partook three times a week, they said all of a sudden there was a blip on the radar. There was difference at three times a week. They said the most astonishing thing happened that when they studied those that partook of Scripture three times a week, it said that the results charts. There was a difference when people partook of the Word of God four times a week. They said you would have thought that it would have been a gradual thing. One time a week, two times a week, three times a week, four times a week. No, they said when they hit four times a week, it radically went off the charts. And they said, here's the results. Now listen to me. We're talking about your joy being full. We're talking about you finding your fulfillment in life in this year. Notice what the statistics found. People that were feeling lonely dropped by 30%. We're talking about the people that read the word four times a week. People that had anger issues, look straight ahead, don't point at them. Those that had anger issues, it dropped 32%. Those that had bitterness in relationships, it dropped 40%. Alcoholism or substance abuse, in other words, those that had to have a crutch in their life to get through life, it dropped 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant, it dropped 60%. Now they said there was something that dramatically happened even beyond those stats. They said those individuals that began to share their faith jumped 200%. You say, well, why was that? Because all of a sudden, they know the Word of God. And they're starting to know the God of the Word. And then they said those that began to disciple others in a relationship with God, it jumped 230%. Woo, come on. You're telling me that just reading the Word of God? Now, I didn't say you had to spend two hours a day doing it. I mean, it might be five minutes. It might be ten minutes. It might be whatever you dis, uh, decide it to be. But four times in the Word radically changes your life. Amen. Come on, think about it. Making disciples jump 230% because of the Word of God. Listen, do you realize that your children can be discipled by you? Come on. A 230% change in our home because me as a parent begin to grow in knowing who Jesus is. I begin to disciple my children. My relationship with my spouse begins to change. Oh, listen to this. Those that viewed pornography, it dropped 60%. Woo! Come on. You lost that loving feeling, hey baby, don't come and on my door, your attitude has just caused you to be in the doghouse. Listen, you realize the Word of God can begin to change people's attitudes. Amen. You don't have to go look to the pornography to get satisfaction. No, man, we can begin to develop a relationship with husbands and wives that, that's healthy because of the Word of God. Are you hearing me this morning? The Word of God has the ability to transform your life. And you might say, why is that? Isn't it just a book? Isn't it just a bunch of stories? No, it is the living, breathing Word of God. And Jesus said in John 6, 63, He said, my Word is spirit and it's life. So in other words, it is a living thing that will drastically change your life because it's not just words on paper. He's speaking to you. And you begin to know who I am as a result of the Word of God. 
That word life in the Greek is zoe. It is the God kind of life. It is the nature of God. It's the life that God knows. Remember how I said the scripture of God begins to change your thinking? It renews your mind. You begin to know the will of God. Oh, come on, man. You'd stop bawling and squalling when opposition faces you because you're like, man, this isn't the will of God. In fact, I know God's desires for me to get through this and get above this thing. Amen. Why? Because I know him. In fact, I know that he did it before me. He went through the greatest tragedy and trial and situations in life, and he overcame. So if he overcame, so can I. Because the Bible says that he leads me in triumph. Woo, praise the Lord. I'm a success waiting to happen. Amen? So think about that. Again, you might say, I like the person that I am. When you talk about shifting and changing, becoming this new man, that scares me. Does it really? Does it scare you the fact that you might feel overwhelmingly lonely, but upon allowing God to be a part of your life, loneliness starts to dissipate? You might find yourself looking to substance alcohol, drugs, to say, you know what? It's going to help me have a good time and unwind and just be myself. No, that's not yourself. You're just using it as a crutch to give you an excuse to act up. Rather than finding out that the greater one's on the inside of you already. And therefore, your joy can be full. I don't have to be alone. I don't have to feel like I need something to get through the day. I don't have to feel like I, 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 that I'm just barely getting by, that my relationships are just uh, hanging on, that I'm consistently angry or bitter at that person. No, life begins to change. And why are you angry or bitter at somebody in the first place? Because you're remembering what they did in the past. But see, this new man, this new person, this new woman allows me to begin to allow God's power to transform my life. So, as I'm getting CrossFit, as we're getting CrossFit together, there are some things that begin to shift and change as a result of you making God, as you allow the begin to transform your life, there are some things that begin to happen just organically as a There are places in your life, forgive the audio, we'll get on top of that. Uh, I think it's a microphone thing, I don't think it's a tech person thing, so don't, don't beat her up or anything, she's doing an awesome job. But anyways, uh, what was I saying in regards to being transformed? Well, just the power of God has the ability to transform us as we make room, right? Okay, with that being said... As we begin to transform, that's what, what I was saying, that there are things that you are going to have to do by a quality decision or conscious choice of making some shifts or some changes. And one of those things that you'll have to purpose to guard and change and protect is your vocabulary, is your conversation, is your words. Because you see, as you begin to grow in your relationship with God, the words in which you speak matter. They have the ability to change things. They have the ability to set the course of your life. And, and do you realize that as you mature, just naturally speaking, your words or your vocabulary grows, right? For instance, 
just to kind of show you an example of vocabulary, let's just say you was not feeling well. Under the weather, your head's hurting, you're kind of achy in your body, you know, your head's all stuffed up. And so you go into the doctor and you go to the doctor and say, uh, Doc, man, I'm not feeling good. My head is just stuffed up and I just, I'm, I just don't feel good. So the doctor takes some cultures, maybe he takes some blood tests and listens to your heart, your breathing and all that stuff. And then he comes back a few minutes later and he says, well, I've got the results from your test. Okay. What is it? The doctor says, well, you've got an acute case of viral rhinofrigantitis. And you say, I got acute what? No, he said, I didn't say you got acute anything. He says, you got an acute case of viral rhinofrigantitis. And you're thinking, dear God, am I dying? What is rhinofrigantitis? And he says, it's the common cold. You see... As you learn things, as you mature, your vocabulary changes. On the medical field, they call it viral rhinofragantitis. You call it a cold, right? I don't know if that's a good example or not, but you understand what I, the point I'm trying to make. There, there's a vocabulary that changes, right? You know, there was a study that was done when, with, with babies that they actually have the ability to communicate. I think there was five sounds. Again, it's been a long time since I, I saw it. But when we had our babies and, and up, we found that we could identify them. And they said, if they make these kind of sounds, it means that they're hungry. If they make these sounds, it means that they're needing a diaper change. If they make these sounds, it means that they're tired and they want to go to bed. If they make these sounds, it means that they're just fussy. If they make these sounds, it means that they're in discomfort or maybe they got gas. And there was very specific sounds based upon the nature of a baby. And so, you know, a baby, as they nurse or as they take the bottle, they use their tongue. No, 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 no. Right? And that's how they, they'll nurse. They suckle. And so they said, if you hear the baby making noises that like a no, 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 that sound with their tongue in their nose, it means that they're hungry. And every single time that we could identify the noises that they were making, they were communicating what they were needing. And nearly 90% of the time, we could identify and give our children comfort as a result of that. Do you realize that my children, being older now, don't come around the kitchen going, no, 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 no. They don't do that. What do they do? They say, hey, mom, hey, dad, I'm hungry. What's to eat? Right? So their vocabulary has changed as they've matured. And so therefore, we've got to understand that as we grow, as we mature, as we give God a place in our life to grow and allow the Word of God to shift and change and to make us the man and woman of God that He's desiring us to be, that we will begin to shift and change the words in which we speak. Now, why is that significant? Here's what the Bible says. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The heart in which we're talking about is not the organ that pumps blood. He's talking about the spirit of the man. Now, remember we said this on week number one, that you're made up of three parts. You're a spirit. You possess. Live in a body. So the real you is a spirit man or spirit person. And once again, it's not this see-through, transparent, ghost-like thing 
the spirit of a man is actually more tangible than this physical body. We just don't understand it. So notice what the Bible says. It says, what the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So in other words, what are you filling up on? What are you giving to the inside? And whatever you feed the most begins to become the vocabulary. If you're thinking about how awful your husband is, why did I look at you when I said that? <laughs> if you're thinking about, man, my husband is this creep. He's a mess of a man. And that's all you're thinking on and meditating on and feeding on. What becomes your vocabulary? What becomes your conversation? It's the mess of the man. And you're disgruntled, you're irritated, you're bitter, you're hateful, you're angry. Why? Because you have fed on those things, right? The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. So your thoughts and your words are directly connected. Whatever you think on, ponder on, meditate on, that's what your conversation is going to be, right? If I don't, well, I can't pay the bills. Never have any money. Well, you think the money grows on trees? You think I'm rich or something? You know what? I just, I'm barely getting by. Well, if that's what you're saying, that's what you're going to have and experience in your life. Because it's what you're believing. It's what you're articulating. Notice what the Bible says here in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. It says that there is power. There is power of life and death in the tongue. Did you hear that? There is power of life and death in the tongue. Listen, if your marriage is a mess, if it is a disaster, if your kids are living a life of hell, if life is turned upside down, listen, I can guarantee you your mouth has created that before you ever walked into it. Because the Bible says you have what you say. Are you here this morning? Now that might not go over well. well. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That's not Pastor Tony, so don't get mad at me, right? All right, Matthew eleven twenty four. Or excuse me, Mark eleven twenty four. It says that you will have the things in which you say. Notice what it says here in Matthew chapter twelve verse thirty six. It says, "On that day of judgment, it says that you will be judged by every idle word that you spoke." Let me say that again. On the day of judgment, you will be judged by every idle word that you say. Jesus said it. Now, what does that word idle mean? Because it doesn't mean just sitting still, like an idling car. Here's what the word idle means. By definition, the word idle means this. Let me get there. Where am I at? Idle means this, as a negative. So in other words, your words are negative. Idle means to be lazy, barren, or without life. And free from effort. Did you hear that? Idle words are negative. Idle words. Idle words do not produce life. And idle words are free from effort. And God says that you will be judged by every word that you speak on the day of judgment. So if you criticized your husband and your wife. And they never reach their full potential because of your 
idle words. The Bible says that you're going to stand before God. And God says, why did you henpeck your husband all these years? Why didn't you guard your mouth? Why didn't you hush up? Why didn't you speak positive things? Woo! Rubber meat in the road, isn't it? If he stands up or we, we stand on the day of judgment and we're like, God, I would have done what you told me to do. I didn't have any money. I had no money. Everything was breaking down. Everything was falling apart. Everything was just a disaster. I didn't have money. And God says, listen, that wasn't my fault. He said, I made every provision available for you to have a successful life and that I would supply every need according to my riches and glory. So if you didn't have money, the reason you didn't have money or the reason you couldn't do it is because you said you couldn't. So therefore, you're judged based on your idle words. You didn't fulfill what I called you to do. And it's because of your stinking thinking and your wrong conversation. Man, that's rough, isn't it? Now listen, here's some good news. Here's some good news. Listen, if you say, you know, man, dear God, I've said some rough stuff. All you got to do is say, God, forgive me. And all of it's forgiven. And it's under the blood. So it's a fresh new start. You just got to choose to start talking the right way. Now listen to me. Again, I, I, I don't want to get on a soapbox, so don't think I am. But notice where it says, words that are lazy. Words that are not life-giving. Words that are free from effort. I would be convinced that if we were to look in the homes of church people, not just this church, but I, I think we would be surprised at the conversations that are had in the homes. Don't you? Or even the words in which we use. I believe that there would be a lot of Christians that there's a whole lot of profanity in their homes. And it's just regular conversation. Now again, if that's you, I'm not pointing fingers at you. God hasn't shown me your home. I'm just saying, I just know that that to be the case. And you may say, well, what's the big deal with that? It's free from effort words. It's Well, what difference does that make? You're making too much out of the way in which we speak. And if that's the case, now let me, let me give you an example. When you're really mad, and I mean you're ticked off at your spouse or you're ticked off in the situation, and, and, and I'm going to use some words and listen to the syllables and you can identify with what I'm trying to say. I mean, I'm mad. Oh, flapjack. Flapjack? Man, that just kind of diffuses the situation right there. You're mad at somebody. You son of a biscuit. What? Right? Oh, Sherbert. <laughs> right? Are you understanding what I'm saying? You say, that's just silly. Sure, it's just but it's just as silly as using profanity. It's laziness in the words and speak. But listen, here's the point that I'm trying to make. The importance of words. Listen, you know that when you use those profanities, the reason that you do is because, man, it makes a point. When I use that word, whoo, you know I mean business. And it doesn't make a point like it makes a point until I say that. Right? Because doggone it, flapjack just don't cut it. Son of a biscuit don't work either. You don't get the full meaning of what I'm saying until I use those words. Right? So what you're saying is that words matter. It articulates something. And that's what them. But really, what is it? It's lazy, effortless words in which we speak. 
Now, again, I'm not trying to get a soapbox on your vocabulary in your own private life. My point is this. If we don't guard our words or are not intentional in this hour, in this day, we will find that we don't experience God's goodness because we must be intentional with the words in which we speak. So, again, the Word of God says that as a man thinks, so shall he be. The words in which he speaks, those are the things that he'll have. Why is it that I find myself having unforgiveness, comparison? Why am I angry and bitter? Why am I hurt and why am I disappointed? Why is there unmet expectations? It's because I am comparing myself or a situation to something else. And therefore, I have to be thinking about something that I wish it could have been or should have been. And therefore, that's my, my conversation. That's what I'm talking about. Well, you never. Come on, man. Help me out here. We only do that thing maybe once. And she says, you always do that. Right? I mean, it was the one time we forgot to take out the trash. And she's like, you never take out the trash. <laughs> Might be exaggerated. But you get my point, right? So listen, it's important as to what you allow yourself to think about because what you think about will determine what you talk about. So what do I have to think about? God's very intentional. He says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's anything virtuous, if there's anything praiseworthy, Think on these things. Think on these things. Listen, if I'm angry at my wife, if I'm irritated, angry, it's because of what I'm thinking on. And it's because I allow my thoughts to dominate me. And therefore, when I see her for a new one, right? Is that too strong for me to say in church? I'm going to rip her a new one. You know what I mean, right? It's only because of what I'm thinking on. But it says if I think about what is praiseworthy, you know what? That thing that my wife did irritated me, but man, there's so much more that she is worth praise for. Man, she's such a blessing. God, you have blessed me with my wife, the mother of my kids. Doesn't that begin to diffuse my vocabulary oh so then that means that my joy can be made full why because I'm no longer lonely I'm no longer angry the bitterness that I had in my relationships no more the need to turn to alcohol or substance to get me through don't need that either because my joy is full the feel the, the, the spiritual strain in my life no I've got joy because I'm feeding on the right things. I'm thinking on the right things. And I'm saying the right things. And I'm being intentional with the words in which I'm speaking. Amen. Let's stand. As we close, I want to challenge you with this thing. If you will, just close your eyes and listen to the words in which I'm challenging you with this, this morning. I mentioned a few months back I had the opportunity 
to spend the day with some millionaire men. And they were able to pour into me and spend some time with me and helping me shift and prioritize and think differently about life. And here's one of the things that one individual said, multimillionaire. He said to me, he said, here's what I challenge you to do. He said, if you'll do this, it will begin to change the direction of your life. He said, for the next 30 days, I want you to write down every single day 50 things that you desire to see, whether they be changed, whether there will be goals, whether there are things that you want to achieve, things that you want different. Maybe they're short-term goals, long-term goals. Maybe it's physical fitness. Maybe it's marital. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's physical health. Whatever it is, take the time for 30 days to write down 50 things. And he said, now you'll find that one day to the next, it might change. He says, you might find that on one day, you don't put something on there, you did another day. But he said, here's what you'll find. You will begin to find that there is a pattern of what rises to the top. And it will begin to help you dream again. It will begin to help you set goals. It will begin to help bring those things out on the inside of you. And discover what God's put on the inside. So that's my challenge for you. In the next 30 days. If you'll take the time and write 50 things down on a paper. As what you want. What you want to see what you want changed and not only write them down but as you're writing them down say them out loud let your ears hear what you say and I'm telling you within 30 days your life will take a turn because you're allowing what God put on the inside of you to show up with vision and dreams and goals and your words will set it in motion and make it lock with your heart Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, in these next few moments, I just pray right now that God, we have heard what you've said because you so desire to know us and visit us. You don't want your visitation to be unknown or be made unaware. No, you simply want to come down and have an experience with us so that we can see and know and experience your goodness. So God, we'll purpose to be diligent. We'll purpose to guard our hearts, our thoughts, and we'll be choosy in the words in which we speak, being guarded in Jesus' name. So we thank you for the strength. We thank you for the help to do this. In Jesus' name, as we get cross, and everyone said, Amen and Amen. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God. 
loving people and loving life.